This is the official Cover in the Corner podcast, episode 179. I am your host, Matt Lyons. And in this week's episode, we'll have some meatballs to discuss, some things that happened in baseball over the last week, talk about some sticky baseball fingers and what baseball is doing about it and how it's affecting Cleveland pitchers. Speaking of Cleveland pitchers, we got some news shortly before the podcast that Shane Bieber is on the IL. So that is uh, a thin rotation has just been dealt another blow, and that is just devastating all around. So we'll talk about that and what it means for Cleveland going forward and, and one particular pitcher who could fix something potentially and be a contributor in his absence. And we'll talk about Ahmed Rosario on a lighter note of how well he's been hitting um, both just over the whole season. And since he sat on it at shortstop, we'll look at um, how good he's been for Cleveland and, and that whole trade with Francisco Lindor and all that. Um, joining me for all that more, another Mr. Merritt Rolfing. Merritt, how you doing? I'm great, man. How you doing? Not bad. I mean, allergies are still the worst. Well, it's like three weeks now, but you just got to not believe in them. That, that's all. You got to believe in them. Just not believe in them. Just ignore oh, okay. it. I'm just going to gaslight the allergies. Yeah, dude. Mind over matter. Yeah. You can do it. <laughs> I was thinking about it. We should try that with Shane Beavers. You just tell his shoulder that he's fine. Yeah, exactly. Um, his Whatever that fancy word for a rotator cuff is they used, it's fine. It's not torn. It's not strained. It's he, he can pitch. He's good. Oh, is that what all those fancy words meant? It was rotator cuff. Oh, Basically, all right. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's part of the rotator Because I guess I'm not a doctor, so I'll take this with whatever. But I, I think it's like part of the rotator cuff. Like your rotator cuff is actually several things, and this is the underside of it. Oh, good. That and sounds normal and healthy. Yeah, it's totally good. It's fine. <laughs> I guess it comes with extension. So like, it's the fact that when you throw your arm, extends so far. That's what the uh, this muscle helps. Oh, well, that's fine. Then. Uh, I'm sure there isn't a statistic here on Baseball Savant that says literally extension. Oh, wait. There it is. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. And it says a lot just in capital letters. This I don't is, know why that This happening. is important and needed for pitching. Oh, well. I'm sure it'll be fine or something. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll get to meatballs in a minute. I think at this point, this is... The more important thing is the fact Breaking that news. Shane Bieber is broken. <laughs> I mean, do you think this has anything to do with, I mean, just the innings? Because he's pitched so many, he's thrown so many pitches every game. They, Whether they're ever going to admit it or not, they he stayed in for so many games to get those eight strikeouts and extend that completely pointless streak that he had going. Like, I don't know if this is a direct thing or just kind of a coincidence, but it sucks either way that Shane Bieber is apparently broke and, and now we're stuck with Aaron Savali and whatever behind him. I was thinking about this today, actually, um, after I heard about this. And he's, what, 77 innings or something like that? Um, 90 innings, actually, I'm sorry, on the, on the year, which obviously is less than you know a full season. But it's, what, 15 or so more than he threw a year ago. And I'm, I got to thinking about, like, obviously, yes, I think they've been riding him very hard. He's He leads baseball in every single pitching counting stat, right? Batters faced, innings pitched, um, strikeouts, all of it. Uh, what he does not lead in is all the rate stats because he just hasn't been quite effective this year, it seems like. And I'm wondering, my thought was, what if this is kind of a hangover from last year, like because he didn't, he had a whole year of not pitching a full year last year, is this a result of that, right? Like, like he was pitching for a sprint all last year, and now he has to go more marathon. And in a grander sense, are we going to see more of that, especially from younger guys who were effective last year? Are we going to see younger guys or, or whatever older, older guys too? It's fine. They can do it as well. Uh, who are going to suffer similar injuries of strains and whatnot because they just had that whole year of weirdness. I mean, I know I'm sure he didn't change like his, whatever his, his process in the off season or how he worked out or anything like that. But I mean, it stands to reason that they definitely were pitching differently last year, right? Because they didn't have to wait and, or stretch themselves out for 200 innings. They, they could go for 
And you were really going to go at 75 or whatever it was out of Maddox. So he could pitch a little bit differently. I'm wondering if that helped influence the, you know, the, the all-time season we saw last year. But this that year, then, be. of course, we're seeing different things. And I'm wondering if it's because over the last 20 or 30 innings or whatever, he's just been more worn out than expected, piling on top of that. As you mentioned, him going back in when he really shouldn't have. I mean, he's got a bunch of games already this year where he pitched like 115 pitches or something like that. Just too many. Like too many pitches for April and May. And that's just like, – I'm not going to sit here and say it's, you know, malpractice by the pitching the pitching coach and whatnot. But, you know, I mean, also maybe you shouldn't be sending him out there to throw 121 pitches when, uh, you know, facing the Cubs or that 100 – what was it, 119 innings against the Yankees – or uh, pitches rather against the Yankees. Like they had that bullpen at the time. They continue to have that good bullpen. Like use it. And I just, it seemed like they were just were not using it. And I know like obviously they're dealing with only having – Two and a half starters, less now, obviously. But what what was the, what was the point here, right? I, th- I think that I think the biggest um, like what the hell would happen here was that game uh, June thirteenth. Really, just come to yeah, actually, yeah, it was literally his last start. For some reason, he went five point two innings and threw one hundred and seven pitches. Um, I don't know what the hell like, that choice was, but he got a whole bunch of games that were kind of like that. You're just like, why why is he still out there? And like, is it just for that streak? Or then that wasn't the streak thing. That was just him yeah, being the streak out was there. way over at that point. But but even like, you threw 103 pitches in four point, in, you know, in four and two thirds innings um, in Seattle uh, back in May. Like, I don't know what was going on there. You could kind of tell you didn't have it, but they're, they're like, do it anyway. Like, does he have to throw 100? It's it's like what they were doing with Corey Kluber too, right? It just seemed like they were trying to use him up as quickly as possible. Yeah, and I get to a point like they want to save their bullpen, especially now because. Tristan McKenzie didn't make out of the inning, but I also have, I would rather have Shane Bieber than a fully stocked bullpen. Like you can, you can just keep cycling these relievers in as much as you need to. If he, if he clearly doesn't have it and he's, he's straining through all these innings, especially yesterday, because I think they, they mentioned he, he, before the game, he got checked out because he thought he could pitch through whatever was hurting him, but um, clearly not. And if, if, even if it costs you an extra bullpen arm, you got to send down and bring somebody else up. I'm fine with that. Like you got Blake Parker who's up now and pitching. You can just bring up more guys in the bullpen. I'd rather have that than, Force Shane Bieber to go out there just to make up for all the other absences. And then this happens, which is he gets a soft tissue injury because, I mean, I would think whether it's because, like you said, they didn't pitch as much last year and he ramped up to pitching so much this year and it caused a strain. But either way, it's he's, he's injured now. And it's not fun when you just have Aaron Savali behind him. And, and I guess Jason Mejia is going tonight. And we'll, we'll know by the time this podcast comes out how he did. But he looked all right last game, I guess. he's not He hasn't completely flared out immediately like Sam Hentress and you know Eli Morgan pitching a monsoon. But... Um, there's just some guys who've, who've struggled and at least Mejia looks like he could be a starter. Like Logan Allen was terrible. And um, he, they just need more guys like Mejia to at least be okay. They don't need everybody to be Aaron Savali and come up and be immediately great. But, um, and especially Bieber's injury, it it makes Zach, please Zach's, whatever he did to his finger look so much worse. Like, I don't know if it really was. He was just ripping off a shirt and was mad and tried to throw it and hit a chair or whatever. But, um, or if he did just literally take it off and bend his finger, I don't know what it was, but if it was something that wasn't, if just a bad attitude or whatever, it, it looks even stupider now because they really need him and he's going to be out for, I would assume several more weeks, probably until Beaver's back. So it's just a very thin rotation now. And you actually wrote about that, that same Hentges. He has, there's some hope there sort of almost, I don't, I don't even know if your point was that he could be a great pitcher eventually, because I don't know that he can, but there, there's hope with same Hentges. If he can have more than just those two pitches that he has, which is just, what is it now? A, a curveball and a curveball and a fastball. I mean, yeah. and hey, and the I mean, slider's weird. We've seen guys like I mean, obviously they're super great players, but you know, like 
Randy Johnson got by with two pitches for a long time. Um, and so, he was a big you know, lefty who threw a right, really exactly. fast, fast. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he was throwing 98 in, in a world where everyone threw 90. So that, yeah. that was a little bit different, obviously. But but even so, I don't know. And I'm just thinking about it, like, are we missing something with the bullpen? Because, I, I mean, I think we, you and I, and never at the site, and people who watch the bullpen can recognize that there's six or seven varyingly good arms in there. Guys, some of who are known, guys like Brian Shaw, for being able to eat innings and – like obviously you have your your top three with Classe and Karen Check and Shaw and you other guys too who are also very good. Are we just missing something that they feel like they can't rely on? Like that Bieber needs to protect them by going seven every single inning or every single start rather. But I don't think so. He's been good, no, so it's just like wh- wh- why why not use the the good pitchers? I I know you're gonna have to use them soon anyway, but like use them because they're here. Like don't not use them because you're worried about what might be tomorrow. Like it, I know, I know a manager can't manage, you can't manage that way, right? You can't manage hoping, you know, you, you, you need to manage every game, thinking about tomorrow and thinking about the next day, think about next week and next month. But at the same time, like he's one of the five best pitchers in baseball, like do something about protecting him. Like you said, you'd rather have one Shane Bieber than four good bullpen arms at the same time. So. Right. Yeah. And like even class A, he hasn't, he didn't pitch through for almost a week at this point because there hasn't been a save situation. I guess he's the established closer, but I know he struggled a little bit, but he's still, I mean, he's an ERA around one. So he's at least decent enough to, to put him in there instead of making Shane Bieber stretch his Yeah. Surely there, use, yeah. Use him. He was a hundred miles an hour for God's sake. <laughs> like, what are we doing here? Like, are we just like giving him a break or any of those guys, you know, like uh, Nick Sandlin or Hunter Steffen or Trevor Steffen? Trevor Stephan. I don't know sorry. where I got Hunter Stephan from. <laughs> Hunter that, Stephan Hunter is a Hunter Wood? Of mine. You're kind of confusing our that big is, sweaty that, boy. That is, that is an actual person <laughs> I know. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, Stephan, I mean, like, he's pitched in a bunch of games, but he hasn't been good. He's just kind of like your average innings eater reliever. He could also be a starter at some point. He's thrown 24 already this game. He's thrown a bunch of pitches. He's been a starter in the past in the minors, but. Um, which is crazy. We're all the way down know. to Trevor Stephan. I mean, we have, we have him. Cal Quattro's going to start, and then Eli Morgan. I'm, they scratched him his last start. I'm assuming he's coming up. He'll either start or just they're kind of piggybacking him off like Quantrill if he struggles again. But, um, but yeah, like it's... Whitgren seems like he has the kind of stuff to eat two and two or three innings. I think he could make his way through 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 a lineup once. So you know, I don't know. There's ways to do this. It's just I, I don't think one of those ways is to destroy the one great pitcher you have. It just seems poorly thought out, I suppose. So I don't know if they do now, but you know, I guess they just have to gut it out and. It just sucks. It seems like they were just kind of holding, just holding on by the goddamn skin of their teeth to like keeping up with the White Sox. You know, I mean, they're four games uh, behind them in the loss column. It just seems like they, you know, I mean, the, the White Sox aren't like doing themselves a lot of favors. I know they're a very good team, but they, you know, now, now even more of them are hurt, and I'm sure some of that pitching is gonna, or maybe it's good. I don't know. Maybe they are just great. Maybe Carlos Rodon is just has figured it all out, which is good for him. He was always a very talented guy, and and Lance Lynn is just a big beefy boy and. All this kind of stuff, but um, it just seemed like they were just kind of doing an okay job of sticking around, and looking like a, a team that could at least be interesting the rest of the year. And this is this is a big blow because if nothing else, having a guy like Shane Bieber is nice because like you don't have losing streaks really. You you're able to at least roll him out there every fifth day and like yeah, and that's what they were doing too, sticking in between just whatever miscellaneous yeah <laughs> seventh grade pitcher they had out there. So that's a big gap they're missing. And now it's just Aaron Savali, and then you have these yeah, other four guys who are just. Up in there doing whatever, but Aaron Savali has got to do a lot of. I mean, having he's having a great year. I, I don't think we can say anything beyond that. He's having an excellent year. I think. I mean, his you look at his extrapolated stats like fielding independent pitching, not superb, um, but he's not walking people and he's 
getting, you know, an okay strikeout rate and he figures his way out through, you know, he pitches through stuff and, you know, he's like a, he's like, I don't know. He's a, he's like an ace on a bad team, almost. You might say. <laughs> oh no, definitely. If, it was, if this was, I mean, he's an ace now. Yeah. So yeah exactly. Saying, yeah. <laughs> he is so, now the ace, and yeah. maybe he wouldn't be if Shane Bieber and Zach Plesac are here. But he, he sort of is now. Yeah, so. exactly. It's just, I mean, he's forced it, and this is just what. You know, hey, you know, we're we're all having flashbacks here. The times of when it was Justin Masterson and not much else. Oh God. Uh, I know, right? <laughs> uh, but this is. I mean, hey, this is what it is, and so it, one would hope that they can, that the Cleveland pitching machine can continue to churn something out, figure one, help figure. You mentioned obviously um, Henches or any of these guys can help them figure something out to be effective and understand that they are talented and they belong there, and you know all that sort of a stuff. But will they? I don't know. I mean, I know you mentioned J.C. Mejia looking okay, but he also seems seem to not be able to get out of an inning. So I don't know. He just seems to not have. That pitch that can help him be more deceptive, I suppose. I don't want to get too too deep into scouting report a single guy, but yeah, I don't know. Um, they need to figure something. Out. I mean, I don't know, of course they do, but they're probably kind of screwed, and we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Now, before even this news came about, we were planning on talking about, um, I mean, Bieber and every other pitcher because um, MLB is finally cracking down on sticky stuff on fingers. Um, it got to the point where it was it's clearly a massive advantage for pitchers. Um, apparently, the final document how they're going to be enforcing the rules is coming in the next few days. It's ex- expected, among other things, to include random frequent checks of baseball, um, watching the spin rates. I, I read on ESPN they said eight to times, eight to ten times per game randomly, um, pitchers will be checked most likely. It'll be like um, while they're coming on and off the mound. So basically, during commercial breaks, they'll be checking the balls to make sure they're not sticky. Um, position players also will be watched just to make sure they're not hiding stuff. Damn, um, they could. They're really. <laughs> I mean, they do not want this shit getting on baseballs. Um, and I, so I, my general feeling on the whole thing, I like, I know it's been happening forever and there's a baseball definitely should have cracked down on it before, but I, I legitimately don't think it was an issue until teams were basically, I mean, like in the past they were chemists, quote unquote, mixing stuff in Coke cans to make sticky stuff. But now they are literally, I mean, getting down to the chemical compounds and they can measure it every single time they throw to get the absolute best stickiness based on the high speed camera. I think just the high speed cameras in general have just absolutely broken the sport <laughs> i think we could come out of it as a better sport in general but just what it's done because how they can measure everything I, I don't think it was a problem to the degree it is now like 10 even five years ago but the fact that everybody can measure everything so precisely now and everybody's so scientific about everything like they had to do it now they should have done it before but they have to do it now um, i think it's basically the way it is i, I don't like if they're going to be throwing players under the bus and making them look like the bad guys they were just doing it because everybody was and everybody got away with it and then i don't want this to be another steroid thing but at the same time, they had to do it eventually, and I think, I, I think it's good. Also, they're giving this big window; like they could clearly just say it's already a rule. They could just start enforcing it and start suspending guys, but they don't want to suspend anybody. They want pitchers to adjust themselves before they make the change. And I think clearly they have. We've seen in the last week um, offenses up a, a pretty ridiculous amount, which could be just a small sample thing. But spin rates are way down. Like the knuckle curve for Shane Bieber was down to 263 RPMs in his last outing, which that could be. Now we know his, his arm could also, be, yeah. yeah. Uh, like all of Nick Sandlin's stuff is way down. James Karinchak is way down. <laughs> like he was, <laughs> nobody else is clearly using spider tack as much as James Karinchak. So, I mean, there's a clearly affecting Cleveland pitchers. It's not a shame thing. I mean, everybody's doing it. Like Garrett Cole had a question, was asked about it, and he froze The greatest because, answer ever? Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> yes. Where he was just staring. It reminded me of that scene in Inglorious Bastards at the beginning when, um, Hans is interrogating the farmer and the farmer's just sitting staring, like trying to think of what to say. Like yeah. before Garrett Cole started talking, that's what it looked like. Um, but yeah, just, I guess just what are your general thoughts on the whole, how they're doing it and how it'll affect Cleveland 
um, going forward. I mean, I always like the idea of a spitball back in the old days. I thought that was kind of funny. But yeah, <laughs> really? see, that's the thing. It was fun when it wasn't like scientific down right, to the you know, science. Like, I was just thinking back, I think 2000, maybe 11 or something like that, I was when I kind of learned about the whole blending of rosin and that um, spray on sun tank, like sunscreen. I remember, I think it was Clay Buchholz who got uh, in trouble for that, uh, for being very obvious about it. But like you said, though, it's... I, I I still have no problem with it. I mean, the reason they put dirt on the ball in the first place is for better grip, and that's why they have the rosin bag out there is to have better. They, they they don't want the smooth baseball because you you know it's dangerous. Obviously, uh, you need to know where the ball is going to go sometimes. But like you said, it seems like it's just been pushed too too far, and um, it's it's gotten it's gotten a little bit silly. Uh, this I, I I was trying to figure out how this like benefits a team like Cleveland. Right, who is known for developing good pitching historically, but not good hit- hitters. So when offense is down, generally they're going to suffer even more. But the question being, if they've been developing good pitching, how have they been doing it? And have they been doing it by having good chemists, right? Like, like actually being good at that sort of a thing. So, and I, I think we've seen that Bieber can pitch too without. Like against the Mariners again, we don't know if it was his shoulder, but it looked a lot like he was just throwing his curveball, expecting it to to break and be deceptive as it always was, but it wasn't, which could partially be because it wasn't so sticky and he was not, it just wasn't as deadly as it always was. But also I'm fine with that. Like I get that it hurts Shane Bieber and that sucks for me as an Indians fan, but also like, I like the idea that not every pitcher can succeed in the exact same way. Just throw 96 and have a big breaking curveball. Like I feel like that it might bring back some guys who just rely on control and can, can get ahead of hitters and work that way instead of just having their hands be, dipped in glue and slinging balls everywhere i don't i don't think that i mean i think the hitters are too good now I, to be honest i think guys who do a lot rely on control and can only throw like, like 92 are, are still going to get screwed yeah th- so those guys are probably going to fight by the wayside i will say that it sucks as, and that sucks it's fun to think that the hero in this is honestly trevor bauer i mean i'm very proud of him <laughs> he, he, he played the, he's like they're doing this we don't care i'm doing it now i'm gonna say young get paid 80 whatever hundreds of millions of dollars just I don't know. Proud yeah, of him. It's, Proud yeah. of him to, for, for, on the bilking. Honestly, you can't. How can you be mad? Um, if you can't beat him, join him. And so he did. Yeah. I don't know if proud's the word I am of him, but I, I like with anything Trevor Dower does. I don't think he was out of sincerity or trying to right the wrongs of baseball. He was just annoyed that other people were doing a thing he wasn't doing, and then he wanted like, them to stop. Would this be like chaotic good? I can't. I can't oh yeah, tell. I would say chaotic, well, chaotic, chaotic neutral good or, maybe or lawful evil. I can't tell which one. <laughs> I, Chaotic neutral, maybe? Because he's not doing anything. I guess it's good, sort of. I get. Yeah, I mean, because neutral, you want to do things by the rules. Maybe chaotic true. neutral, I guess? Because he's just pointing it out and pointing out and saying, fine, I guess this is what we're, how we're doing it. We're just doing it this way. And so, yeah, yeah, I think he would want to be seen as chaotic good, but he's more chaotic neutral. Like, he's not doing it because he's... I, I'm just waiting for the vlog in, like, a, a month, like the 10-minute video of how much of a hero he is for defeating the stickiness in baseball. Meanwhile, he made several hundred million dollars and now is like a four year I pitcher again. So <laughs> like, but, I mean, you know, screw, screw you Los Angeles. Yeah, uh, I mean, they had the money they paid him. So yeah, good for him in that but, sense. But. And, and, and the thing is everyone knew anyway, everyone knew yeah. this was happening. And so like, and like to, to, to say that, um, Andrew Friedman did not have an idea. That this was a thing like of all the teams to probably to, to have bought in on an idea like this. It's definitely the, the raise, like if not institutionally, at least, somewhere uh, like within the clubhouse and stuff. I'm sure that's it's all over there too, but it will be interesting in general to see the, 
I mean, the impact in general, but how this will separate players. Like, if there are just guys who do do have big hands and they get six spin, and other guys who just can't, right? Like, if we see Jacob Degrom continue to post a .6 ERA, and you're like, "Well, oh, this guy's just a freaking nature," <laughs> Jesus Christ, um, that that's fun, honestly. To do to, to be able to separate the the, the wheat from the chaff like that, uh, I'm very excited to be able to, to see that happen. Um, benefits Cleveland that'd be great like if they actually have figured something out and they were just benefiting even more from this so be it uh if not then well we're gonna have a, a stinky team with no offense and no pitching so I don't know welcome back to 1974 whatever year it was and yeah that, that's the whole like it separates people is what was fun about steroids it was, it was just like a couple guys who overused it and were gigantic and hitting <laughs> yeah. 70 home runs it wasn't like Michael Pineda can suddenly throw a really good curveball <laughs> like that doesn't yeah. help the game I don't yeah. think. like everybody can do it like we're all Barry Bonds and Barry Bonds is right. like oh <laughs> yeah. shit it's <laughs> not fun anymore, but you have Barry Bonds McGuire and Sosa just out there gigantic forums and it's fun because you got these guys who are really good like everybody wants a home run chase nobody wants everybody to have 30 home runs it's not as fun and, like and I want nobody I, wants everybody to strike out 200 bad yeah like I, I, I want it to be exciting that I'm going to see Max Scherzer face Jacob DeGrom I don't want to see like I'm not getting jazzed over Joe Ross versus <laughs> Steven Matz is out Steven here. Matz. Two yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, this is why am I like, this just stinks. Like, I want it. I, I came to this game to see Juan Soto hit three home runs. Like, this is why I'm here at this game specifically. Not to see whatever. Yeah. Matz or someone throw a shutout. Like, this stinks. <laughs> and it does definitely like, this is a very tiny change in the grand scheme of things, but also to your point of that hitters are so good. Like this one little tiny thing, a drop in RPM, and look what the offense has done. Oh, yeah. No, exactly. It's and again, crazy, like, how close these two sides are. It may be a small sample size. I don't know. But what uh, to the other side of my earlier point, too, about what this will actually tell us about what Cleveland was actually doing when it came to pitching. You know, there's an article in The Athletic a while back where they're really trying to crack hitting. And, like, it's impossible to do that if the other side of the ball is being completely dishonest. Like, if it's just turning everyone into a, just a, a Cy Young caliber pitcher. So – Maybe they actually have found good hitters, right? Like, I know we're all we're all big idiots, and we all love guys like Harold Ramirez. But what if he's good? What if what if what if Na- Josh Naylor goes on a he goes on a tear for the next month and a half and ends up with thirty five home runs because he's, he's actually good. The spin he's young and the spin has been just crazy. So he's just I don't know. Yeah, no, I think the uh, their whole thing about finding middle infielders, like I guess Owen Miller is not a great example so far, but maybe he like is, finding though. these guys maybe exactly. He is. See, yeah, like all these guys, like Owen Miller, Tyler Freeman, these high contact guys who for the longest time were nothing. Like if the balls are are back to being normal, then maybe these are the ones that can succeed, and they've already like they might be ahead of the curve on that. That's exciting, at least as from a Cleveland fan, is they might be already ahead of what the next offensive thing is. Yeah, so I don't know. Um, it'll be like you said, it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. There's definitely you mentioned all the guys like uh, Sandlin and Karinchek, obviously, but Bauer over on or other guys, um, Cole, obviously. Yeah, Cole's were, his way down. He was oh, clearly, yeah, yeah. I mean, there was that thing today about texting um, the old um, Angels guy who was dishing it out, and like Cole was one of the ones who was right there trying to get it, <laughs> and Max Scherzer. So they were clearly again. I'm okay with some stuff. Like I remember they posted a thing that's showing it, like, but that's like the spider tax stuff. The stuff that's literally glue or like the Coca Cola blended with rosin, blended with I don't know bold lard or something like that <laughs> well see i don't mind those ones when they're just like doing it with and not in a, a lab but this guy was like basically making it his own yeah that, see that 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 i'm not cool but like like in being crafty and using sunscreen right, yeah. and rosin and going like hey, 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 just wiping or like the dude from uh 
uh, rookie of the year who had a little bit of Vaseline up here and you know no what's that damn that was Major that, League That's that was the... Major I always can confuse the two movies I don't know why it's basically do the same character yeah, <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah but yeah but him you know, he's just getting a little, little bit of a little loogie or just um, rubs a jalapeno underneath his nose or whatever just grows it up a little bit you know yeah, so that's the difference between stealing signs at second and having a guy with a camera and then you're banging on a trash can. Like, right, this is, exactly. Going, stealing signs at second is fun and it happens naturally. Yeah, it, it takes yeah. craft and, and guile. Being, you know, I mean, what's his name? The guy who had the, 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 like, the little emery board like hidden in his glove and he was like scuffing it. And then he's just like, I don't have it. He just threw it. And the empire just picked up and goes, it's, you, it's right here, you idiot. I never <laughs> saw that. What are you talking about? That was there. That uh, grew out of the ground. <laughs> could have been there. Yeah, Not and, me. And somebody, some pitcher brought up the idea that baseball knows like they can measure this they could get a sticky substance that's just sticky enough to help control but also not make it ridiculous yeah like i that seems like a good idea to me it's just like doing a better version of the rosin bag apparently that's not nearly good enough i would assume because it's not sticky it's just not as slippery but like give them something actually sticky like if you could make something that maybe bumps their rpms just a couple ticks but it also helps them grip it so they're not hitting people in the head then everybody wins let them just have something on their belt but you can also know that this is what's in the the tolerable range that they're not sticking to the ball when they try I to guess, throw it. I guess my thing is I just like cool, fun crime, you yeah. know, like like <laughs> bank robbers and stuff. I don't Can like write that down for the title. I don't like, <laughs> I don't like bad, sinister crime, like, <laughs> you know, corporations and, and mafia <laughs> stuff like that doing crime stuff, or in this case, the spider tech and, and you know, or even. To, to the point where like they're institutionalizing the sticky stuff. Like I like I like when Clay Buchholz was just like making a little bit of gross shit on his arm. Like that's fun. <laughs> yeah. it's, I don't know. Some guy in the dugout burning a coke can with a lighter and yeah. nobody knows what why. Are you doing? Uh, crack cocaine. Just uh... <laughs> <laughs> do crack. It's fine. Don't pay attention to me. <laughs> Better not be something sticky. No, it's no, no, no sir. No. <laughs> now on uh, somebody will benefit from all this, um, presumably, and I guess he has maybe recently. Is Ahmed Rosario? Damn, what a transition! For I know, right? Look at me go. <laughs> it's like only uh, we're not talking about any other offensive players besides potentially meatballs. So I got to find a place to jump off here because Ahmed Rosario deserves to be talked about. Because what the hell happened there? I mean, he was terrible to start. He was, if you remember, in the uh, when he was in center field in spring training and the first time in the major leagues, he was. He was awful out there. He was not hitting the ball well. He just looked uncomfortable in general, I think. But now he's, I mean, even counting that in, like not doing a small sample size, the whole season he has 105 WRC+, plus, which is better than he's ever had. It's above average. Um, I mean, like, is this just because he settled in? Oh, that's... Like, um, look, he's been way better since he's sat at shortstop, and then now he's... I do want to say that's a 108 R bet plus. Okay, anyway, go on. I, I was almost going to ask you, what is this R bet? <laughs> <laughs> it's a big difference. Thank you. Now we know. We have the full picture of uh, Ahmed you, Rosario. You kind of about having multiple data inputs. So there you go. But uh, but yeah, he's in with power. I mean, he's so fast. It's He's also not striking out as much and he's walking more. So like his overall approach is better. Like, I don't know. What do you think this is? Is it just this is finally because he always was his hype guy. He was a top prospect and now he came over. Is this a chain of scenery thing? Is this a comfortable at shortstop thing? Well, someone mentioned it on the Slack channel, but confidence has to be a thing, right? I mean, obviously talent is important. He's incredibly talented. He was a form, top, top form prospect. You mentioned, obviously, his incredible speed and athleticism, his Great bat to ball skills. He can turn you know grounders into into base hits with e- not with ease, but you know better, which obviously leads to higher BABIP and things like that. But luck obviously play, is playing a part of this. Um, but at the same time, like what we're looking at last uh, twenty eight days, he has a nine twenty nine OPS. Uh, your last two weeks, it's nine ninety one. In the last week, it's a, it's eleven. It's a one thousand ninety one. So uh, it's a is it a hot streak? Almost almost assuredly, right? Oh yeah, of course, yeah. 
But like at the same time, maybe he's just comfy. Maybe he's just figuring it out. He's still, you know, he's not like old. He's 25. He's been, he, he was called up probably a little bit earlier than he should have been. He just was kind of thrown in the, in the lineup in New York. And then he got sent over to Cleveland and got, you know, sent wherever the hell in the, you know, like all over the diamond to play defense and just become the center fielder after never playing center field or outfield, I think, ever in his entire career, probably. Like, I, I, I would be surprised to know that he played more than 10 innings since he was a small child in the outfield. But um, I don't know. I, that's the thing. You, you look at so many of the, like, the rate stats and, like, the, the, the things that are, like, expected. He has a very high expected batting average. His expected on-base percentage is very high. He's not striking out much. He's very fast. He's not, you know, he's not whiffing very much. He's in the fifth, what, 52nd percentile on a hard hit rate. So not, like, great, but, like – middle of the road, and like at the end of the day, I don't need Ahmed Rosario to be hitting 35 home runs. I, if he's a 15 to 20 guy with a bunch of line drives, like, why can't that work? There was just an article on um, baseball savant com last week about Yohan Moncada, who um, just hits the ball all over the place, strikes out, oh, he strikes out more than Rosario does, but he has a line drive approach, and he has consistently a high BABIP. Like, he has a 400 BABIP all the time. And is that sustainable? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But Rosario is that kind of guy that is not traditional anymore. He's tr- he, he, but but he's still making it work, and he he can just turn hits in or outs into hits because he's so fast. And I don't know, man. It's fun to watch. It, he'll probably calm down. But if 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 he can honestly, man, if he can be like an eight hundred OPS kind of guy, you know, just hit like what two seventy three. 40, 340 plus, uh, I don't know, whatever, 350, 450, no, that's so four. Damn, you, you know, you, you get the idea, math. Um, yeah, 450, I guess, yes. That, that, that'd be a wonderful player to have. And I think that'd be that'd be stupendous. A, a yeah, great guy to have. perfectly fine defense. Like, he's not been terrible by any means. Yeah. He's been fine at shortstop. But. And again, comfort levels, um, being back where he wants to be, knowing he's kind of ensconced there at this point, knowing that the only guy challenging for the role really played himself out of the role. So, you know. Um, I bat a ball, ball profile wise. You, you look at on baseball savant too. You see a couple fun ones, specifically 2019 Tim Anderson and 2019 Tim Anderson was really cool. Didn't he win a batting title? Like that was a fun player to watch. Yeah. he was. Really so good, yeah, yeah uh, guys like that can still exist because if you can't shift on them, then you can't do anything about it. And he's a switch hitter. So you can't really platoon him to death and um, I don't know. He's it work. It's kind of a guy who can turn himself into a good player. Maybe it's maybe it just took a little while. Guys like Tim Anderson were the same way. They were very bad for a couple of years, but they just figured it out because they're incredibly athletic and smart, and they know what they're good at. So yeah, yeah, which might be him. And that yeah, that was uh, Matt Schlipting you mentioned in the, in the Slack. That's probably a thing. But I think he's right. I think it's definitely probably a thing. No matter what, he's trending in the right way, which is what you want out of a twenty-five-year-old post-type prospect. You want him going up, not crashing and and being like Andres Jimenez, which obviously he was way younger and in his first full year, but. Um, like you said, he played out of the position and as, and as less Ahmed Rosario just tanks, I see no reason that Jimenez, Jimenez is going to come back up anytime soon, really. Um, which I guess is fine. He's got plenty of options here, but wait and see what you have in Rosario. If he, maybe Jimenez can play second next year, or maybe Rosario moves over to second. If he's fine with that and not going to center field into the infield and DH and all over the place, maybe he just is fine being one of the cornerstone defensive places and he's still comfortable and hitting well. But I, I just really want to see if this is either just, like you said, a hot streak, or if he is comfortable and he can stick this out for longer than a month, because it's clearly a month this time. He's had, I think he's like 132, something like that, to be WRC plus. So, I mean, he's been a lot better hitter when he's been in second at shortstop, which I also wonder too, like if this is a thing with, with Owen Miller, maybe he's just, uh, some players can just go all over the place and still be comfortable. Maybe 
a guy coming up in his first year, it's maybe not the best idea all the time <laughs> to just kind of start him all over, start him at DH once in a while, make him sit and not, and just focus on all his mistakes at the plate as he's sitting when there's no defense. Just let him. I guess the problem now is there's no place to play Owen Miller. You're platooning him at first yeah. with Bobby Bradley, so maybe that helps gives him some some stability. But I, I like the idea of the Cleveland batters getting some kind of just stability out of what they're doing on defense and and just knowing what they're doing every day when it comes to the park and if that helps them hit a little better. And, and speaking of, I guess that um, got platoon like good God, Bobby Bradley is <laughs> already <laughs> crushing the ball. He's he's surpassed Jake Bowers in almost every measurable way so far, which is incredible. <laughs> like he's, he's hit the ball so hard and And that's what kills me too is just there's so many young players still that we want to see get a a decent shot of consistent play right and the only one we've seen that happen with i think in the last couple years at this point is honestly jake bowers which is so frustrating because he was just so bad like looking back on it honestly yet he had his revenge tour over the weekend like good for him but like Yu Chang, I don't know. At this point, I've seen him play in person once, and he had a home run. So I don't know to tell you. But again, maybe someone who it seems like when he gets a couple of days going, he can hit. But then, like same thing with Bobby Bradley, um, he has a couple of good days, and then they bench him. And it's just like I understand wanting to get the other guys some at bats, but especially now with Shane Bieber hurt, like what is the plan here? Like is it is it is it a rebuild? Because if that's the case, trade or DFA Eddie Rosario, right? Um, and just start opening up slots in the lineup consistently every day for these players and see what you actually have. Give 50 games of uninterrupted play to Yu Chang. Give 50 games of uninterrupted Why not? I'd love to see how many games in a row, what's the most he's played, right? Is it 10? Is it 15? Like, maybe he's maybe he's good. Maybe maybe it will, it, would, it will take a month and a half to see if he's actually there. Or same thing with Bobby Bradley. Let him... Let him go through a swoon and then let him get out of it too, because otherwise, we're just letting a guy have a hot streak, think he's feeling good about himself, and then bench him or bench him, and then or or he just and then he comes up back, you know, five days later, some a couple of pitchers found a hole in his swing, he, he strikes out seven times in a row, he falls into a slump, and he just bench him forever. Like I, I'd be unsurprised if I saw that happen, and because they just don't have any space for anyone, like even like I don't know, like I, I guess at the end of the day, like. It seems like now is a good time for if I were the Cleveland Indians to take stock of where we want to be, not now or next year, but in like two years, three, four, five years. And do they get rid of Rosario? Do they get rid of even Cesar Hernandez? Like, I think they could trade him at the, the deadline for something. Don't say the other name, Aaron. Don't you dare. Oh, no. Don't, no, do, he's, it. don't oh, do it. Of course not. Here's the thing. <laughs> I still need to watch this goddamn team. <laughs> and and I, I need I, the, two players, somebody. I, the two <laughs> players I just mentioned are fine, and like a, a, a playoff team might like to pick them up as a as something. Yeah, but like, oh, I, I see no reason they should stick around at this point. Like I like them both, but I mean, like, what are what are we doing here? Unless they go on a hot streak and like they have this big stretch of games before the All Star game, like unless they're a game behind or ahead of the White Sox, like you're not going to catch them if you're starting to trail behind. Like you might as well trade Rosario; he's gone no matter what. And I think I think Hernandez has an option for next year, or is this his option year? One of the two. So. Yeah, but but especially Hernandez because you have all these infielders. You have Owen Miller and Yu Chang. Even if you want to, sure, let him play at second base. Let one of them stay there every day. Um, I guess the only problem with outfield, unless you stick Nolan Jones out there, I don't know who you put there every day to get work. I guess it doesn't Daniel matter. Johnson, I, put Yu Chang yeah. out there. Like, it, uh, just give someone <laughs> just fucking get out Look, there. I, I'm just saying, get, get them in the lineup and like like that, the thing about Rosario too was yes, you're putting him in center. But you're only putting you're only putting him in center sometimes. 
and then you were moving him back to shortstop and then you were doing you were using him as a guy off the bench and there was no consistency to it. I'm sure Yu Chang would be an absolute butcher in left field, but it <laughs> but doesn't matter. They have one of those already. Like, who cares? So just, I don't know. I, I guess what I'm saying is at this point, like, losing Shane Bieber is not a small thing. Like, this team was right on the razor's edge. And uh, now with him being out for, what, he's on 10 to deal, I assume he'll be out for the rest of the month. Yeah, because he's not even picking up the ball for two weeks, they said. So. Right, exactly. So so there we go. Yeah, he's probably going to be out until he's the All-Star break at that point then. I'm just saying, man. Like, that's I mean, a you're thing. not like, wrong. Not, All-Star break is yeah. what? Well, like, the 12th or something like that is the All-Star game? Like, that's, yeah, three 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 weeks or so before he, he comes back. Plezak needs to come back and then pitch back into form. And, I mean, I like Zach Plezak. I, I think he's a good pitcher. He's not a great pitcher yet. Like, he's not like... Uh, thank God our aces. It's not like when Jacob DeGrom came back to New York. You know, it's like, oh, cool. Here's a guy who can you know, eat innings and give us a three forty ERA or something, which is nice. At this point, like, I hate to get all grand and like it's time to change everything and blow it up, but like maybe it is time to give some of the young guys some run. You mentioned Jones, obviously, but even give Miller like I don't know. Again, give him a run every single day. Let it all figure out what you have. They they, they want to do with with um what's his name Bowers. Yeah, well, they kind of had to with Bowers. I know they had to, but at the same time... <laughs> I would rather like, do it now with Miller when you have the option of sending him down. If he does just continue this torrid streak, then you can just send him down. Like, if, if he's if he's going to suck now, then he's going to suck now. And, like, if he, if he can give him 30 days to understand why he, why he's bad, maybe he can go back down to the, the minors and figure out why how he can be good again. Yeah. I, but I think I'm he, definitely, at least at the point where I would rather them not trade, like, a Tyler Freeman or somebody to just have this temporary boost when Shane Bieber's out. Like, I don't think it matters. I... If we're doing one or the other, I, I think they're probably going to stay somewhere in the middle. But if they're going to either extreme, I'd rather just like, I'm not saying the one name to trade, but like Hernandez and Rosario and trade those guys and just get it over with because they're not, yeah. they don't have a place because the Indians aren't winning this year. And next year they're going to have more middle infielders than they know what to do with. So like you can't just sit in the middle. I mean, you know what I mean, like you look at teams who actually succeed one specifically that don't have money, but they make bold moves. You know, like, I mean, shoot, the, the Rays just traded, um, what's his name? Um, Evan Longoria, who was the, the you know the, the the ray of all rays, and they just I mean parts of that is the contract thing because they're cheap, but also it was just it was time to to figure something else out, and he hasn't been good for a long time. But like you get you you know it sucks to think that these guys need to make business decisions, and I hate looking at it that way, especially because these guys are all just C level Ivy League guys who I wouldn't I wouldn't trust with my mortgage, much less my base uh, baseball team. But yeah, I would argue that like I think. Clevenger was a bold trade. I think for yeah, Lindor was someone who could just refuse to extend it. But like the Clevenger trade was bold. Trevor Bauer was relatively bold, although you knew he wasn't coming back. But there's at least a couple in there where they were doing this kind of thing. That was kind of crazy in trades was doing that. I don't think. And I mean, That's those fair, worked out but, pretty damn well. <laughs> like not even considering the fact that Clevenger's injured. I think. But like those, I don't know. Those all felt like rebuild trades too. And I, I, I guess they got guys back to fit in the lineup. But like to what end, right? To the end of having a. a lead average bat and a reliever who apparently isn't any good. Like, I don't know. Like that's a, a guy like Cal Quantrill. What is his role? He's not, doesn't throw hard enough to be a lightning, you know, a lightning bolt reliever, but he doesn't have enough pitches to be a starter either. So it's like, you just have another Dan Otero basically. It's, but it'd I, it's be just, good to have a couple of those Dan Oteros, not, you know, not the last couple, year Dan Otero, but a couple of good Dan Oteros not the, not the bad ones. Uh, but it's just, it's like they need to not sit in the middle, I guess at this point, like, I I don't want them to. I, the, the the thing is, they don't have anyone that I want them to trade to like 
make the team better next year. But they need to figure out what they have because otherwise they need to reassess their very existence, I guess, right? They have all these middle infielders and like either they're good or they're not. Like they, they have a top 10 prospect list. Are those guys any good or not? Like is Nolan Jones going to actually be a, a problem solving maybe? Yeah, and I mean, I he's know. been hot lately. So, I mean, like if they're – the problem now is just putting him somewhere. Unless you you do the bad trade, the un, the unspeakable trade, then he's got an obvious spot. But other than that, you put him in the outfield. Maybe he's your DH until Framil comes back if he's out for longer. I don't know. But oh shit, uh, I forgot about Framil. All right, yeah, I, never, I feel a lot better now. All right, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll be back eventually. Right now, he's just miserable. Whoever's the DH. Yeah, that's just, uh, okay. Ooh, man, I forgot about that one. Man, you know, I feel a little bit better right now, and I'm not feeling so bad. <laughs> Still you know, again, bad. the guy, the guys who are have ETAs. I think their top five prospects all. According to are all ETA twenty twenty three the latest, and it's a third base and a shortstop, a shortstop, a catcher. The outfielder is the one who's, who's furthest away. So, like of all the things they need fixing, great. <laughs> but, <laughs> right, yeah, you know, and I mean, like even Gabriel Arias, who I don't, I don't know if is in the top ten of MLBs, but I know he's, yeah, he's potentially this year or next year. So yeah, yeah that's he's one of guys. So close. it's it's Jones, Freeman, Naylor, Valera, and uh, Arias, Arias, whatever. Yeah, I mean, those are oh. all guys who could be up. Like, yeah, but like they could be aggressive with them next year if they really wanted to, but I don't think they will. But then again, you have guys like obviously, um, just to circling back to Rosario too. Like, yes, they had to trade. Um, they were kind of over a barrel with the Lindor trade, but they got the guys they wanted. One would assume, right? Like, I'm sure. Like, I don't know. I, I, I assume that they, they, they had more than one team bidding for for Francisco Lindor uh, than just the Mets, and they got the guys I assume they wanted. So they wanted them for some reason. Whether it was a band aid and a long term solution, going you know Rosario being a band aid and Jimenez being a long term solution, I don't know, whatever. But like, there's something that they want. So now again, we just have more middle infielders in the way when they have more coming up. And like, where is Freeman going to fit in? Where is Arise going to fit in? Because they play the same position and all this other stuff. Like, I don't know. Bo Naylor, they have so many catchers now. I, I don't know. I assume they're going to do something about perez soon i don't know this is all off-season conversation but it's amazing how it can happen in a blink of an eye just because one guy gets hurt and he admitted all about rosario good so there you go you know what uh this feels weird doing at the end Merritt. but you know what uh, i I can't even segue i'm just gonna press the button meatball we're we're in the meatball zone Merritt. that's the the end of the show meatball zone it's weird this feels wrong but i was was in the meatball um... zone right now Mm. (laughs) i I had meatloaf for dinner so that's like a big meatball all right (laughs) Of course, this is Meatballs, where we talk about interesting things over the last week of games. So just, we sort of, it, it's, again, this is why it feels weird doing it last, because we already discussed a lot of things. But I tried to avoid talking about one specific thing for Bobby Bradley, because it is my meatball, and don't make me try to look up another one. While He's super boy. boy. Um, so we always talk about his hard hits. That's his big thing. Obviously, he crushes the ball. He's hit the ball really well. Um the big thing right now, like we always know he's going to hit the ball hard. We know he's going to hit home runs. He's not striking out a ton. He has 10% strikeout rate over his first six games, um, which I mean, for him, if he's at that, that's if he's that forever and he's hitting home runs as much as he does, he's like a <laughs> Hall of Famer at that point. He's not only do this forever. Basically, yeah. <laughs> I mean, at some point, he'll strike out more. But like if this has some kind of new approach, I don't know if there's something he worked on and he's just, he's, he's better or if he just faced bad pitching because I mean, he played the Mariners and what Cardinals. So. Um, and uh, yeah, Orioles, I think, right? Yeah, yeah it's not a great selection of teams. Do you know the last time um, Bobby Bradley had a ten percent strikeout rate over a six-game span in the majors? So, like, oh, in the majors. Oh, okay, I was, I was going to. I don't know little league. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I don't know. I've no, never, never, <laughs> yeah, because he came up the first two games, he struck out fifty percent of the time, and then it never got better from there. So, like, he was. This is. It's a very small sample size of six games since he's been up this year, but he's been incredible. And then I think. 
the home runs are fun. Getting a lot of doubles is fun. All the hits are fun. But the thing I'm most interested to watch, see if he can keep doing, is is strikeout right. Keep it down. I don't know if it's it could be a platoon thing. Maybe if he's because he's only facing righties, maybe that's helping him out. But I mean, if he does this forever and he hits home runs, um, this is they finally found a legit first baseman. It's too early to say that for sure. I think, but it's again like Ahmed Rosario. He's trending in the right direction, which is what you want. I think yeah, it's definitely what you want for for Bobby Bradley. The one thing I worry about with guys like him and obviously. Um... Uh, what's his name, uh, Reyes and stuff like that. It, it seems like they have a whole lot of uh, mistake hitters, if that makes sense, right? Guys who uh, can absolutely obliterate, like just mashed if you give them, like, but like once you face good pitching, um, it becomes a problem because they just swift. But, uh, you know, to our earlier point, uh, where we can't use spider tech anymore and things of that nature, maybe that'll be a bonus to them, right? Um, and then also, I just think there's certain guys um him obviously but like guys like john charles stanton or like aaron judge or uh joey gallo where they're just so strong it almost seems like it doesn't make sense for them to swing as hard as they can every time and like uh they could just make contact and still you know rope a double or, or just hit, hit a nice donker um but i don't know i, I, just, I just wonder sometimes if that's a conversation they have like i don't know i remember reading something like that about stanton where like he just he he kind of uh, stopped swinging quite so much and looking at the strikeout rates, and they've always been you know, 28, 27, 26, 29, 29, 23, 29, 33, 28, 29. So he never really, like, he was always way above average. You know, the average over his career has been 20.8, but he's a 28.1. But guys like Bradley, you know, again, very strong and um, just they get great just extension stuff on their uh, on their swing that can hit the ball a quarter mile. It's great. Even, and even he had that accidental little dribbler and then the opposite field. That was great too. It's good. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> yeah. uh, so yeah, what's your meatball this week, Merit? Oh, um, well, welcome back to another edition of Merit's Moldy Meatballs. <laughs> Take advantage <laughs> of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mudcat Grant died uh, last week. And so I figured I'd just talk about him real quick. Because um, I, I was like, who the hell is Mudcat Grant? So I looked him, looked him up, did a little bit of re- just some brief research. And I'm assuming many of our listeners are, are also very unknowledgeable, well, uh, you know, don't know everything about Mudcat Grant. But I figured we'd just talk about him for a minute. Couple, just a couple fun, quick factorinos about him. Uh, he, he did feature for Cleveland for seven years, I debuted with them um, 67 and 63 back when win loss record made, made, mattered at all. Uh, 1,214 innings over those seven years, 92 ERA plus. So. You know, whatever. Not great. Uh, but I read a couple funny things about him. First, the reason his nickname... Okay, so he was born in uh, Lacucci, Florida, right? And that's nearby where at the time Cleveland had their um, their spring training. And so they brought him in for a, uh, like a tryout. And some guy there, another player there, just decided he was from Mississippi instead of Florida. <laughs> and so gave him the nickname Mudcat. And that's how he got the nickname Mudcat. Which I think is like... Oh, you're from Mississippi. No, I am not. Oh, cool. So he's look we'll at Mudcat. He's from Mississippi, and he's just kind of stuck. Um, his other nickname was Jim. So that's something. But anyway, uh, I just wanted to look at one of his, I think, most amazing pitching performances from Cleveland uh, in 1959 against the Yankees in late June. He threw a complete game. They won the game uh, five to four. Now the interesting part being Matthew. Uh, he pitched all 14 innings of the game and went one for six with an RBI. So uh, very much a do-it-all kind of a guy uh, that day, especially. Uh, had a very successful outing. What's funny is that is actually the fourth longest complete game ever bought by a Cleveland pitcher. 
and the second longest since um, integration. Now, Matt, can you guess who the, has the longest? Wrong. It's Gaylord Perry. <laughs> Tricked you. I was waiting. I knew when you were leading into that, you're going to ask me, and I was already ready to say Sam McDowell. <laughs> it's always Sam McDowell. Um, anyway, yeah, Mike Hecker. I mean, again, I don't think he was a great pitcher, but he was more of a great um, ambassador of the game. Um, you know for black people playing baseball and that sort of a thing. I guess he was great friends with Buck O'Neill, who founded the um, Negro League Baseball Museum in Kansas City. Uh, he had a big uh, – anyway. Yeah, it seems like everybody who who had things to say about him was all just great things like how – He pitched I mean, for – he's one of those guys who just to. pitched forever. He pitched 2,400 innings over, what, what 14 years, something like that, 145, 119, win-loss win record, dead even 100 ERA, ERA plus over that stretch, like – I don't know, just a, a solid guy who just gobbled innings and when having a four ERA was fine because you pitched the entire game. You're just like, who cares? Like, they only, only give a four run today, so, you know, good for me. You know, it's always sad when a, when a legend of some kind dies, and it's always nice to talk about them. Especially the he fact definitely that he... qualifies as a, as a legend. All right, Mary, that'll do it for us this week. Um, again, it feels so weird going from meatballs to the exit. But, uh, <laughs> well, that's the have, show this week. Like... We don't ask questions, so, you know. Yeah. <laughs> we do. We, so, occasionally we have a poll. Sometimes we just kind of forget, but... Um, but yeah, if you find us on Twitter at covering the corner at cover the corner on Twitter, covering the corner on Facebook, coveringthecorner.com. You can find me on Twitter at Matt R L Y, Merritt at Merrill Lunch, like Merrill Lynch with lunch. Mm. Um, talk to you uh, next week, man. I'll be there.